Welcome to the Progress Texas Happy Hour. Welcome back to the Progress Texas Happy Hour. I'm your host, Sam Gonzalez, and joining me today is Progress Texas Advocacy Director Diana Gomez, Communications Director Wesley Story, and Development Manager Brett Isaacs. Welcome to the show, everybody. Welcome, audience out there, this week. I know it's been a long week. It's been a good week for us. We're working hard out here in the nonprofit world. And you know what, though? Sometimes we just need to cool off and we need to get a nice cold beverage. So me, I'm going to crack open for the audio listeners. A nice Trulies. We're bringing them back. (laughs) We got rid of the happy hour beverages in the last few episodes. But you know what? Sometimes you deserve a cold one or a warm one. Depends on what we're drinking. I have here a watermelon lemonade truly. I like the lemonade ones. So we're going to go ahead and start with that. But you know what? I have Diana, Brett, and Wesley here. Diana, I'm going to start with you. What do you have to keep you going through the week in terms of beverages? I also have a Truly surprise, but it's inside of a Truly koozie that President Ed Espinoza uh, gifted me. It's rainbow. That's um, so mango. nice. I Classic mango. Classic mango. Brett, what do you have over there? Um, I have a... Uh, sparkling water it's grapefruit because as I have said before I truly think that the only good sparkling water flavors are citrus flavors um, but this is actually not a LaCroix it's the HEB brand oh that's um, a good brand grapefruit sparkling water I mean inflation be hitting like if I ever <laughs> gonna save a dollar on sparkling water like I'll do it you know also was that a pun that you threw it it was truly the good flavors you said I was not even thinking about that. But oh, it was there, sure. though. We'll, it we'll was, call that intentional. <laughs> it was right there. Wesley, what, what you got over there? So this past weekend was Pride in Austin, and I had a few friends over, and they drank all of my alcohol. So right now I'm just drinking water. Ah! <laughs> I'm just drinking water. <laughs> One of us has to be responsible here, uh, and, and it should be me, the driver of this podcast. But we're all going to get to where we need to be. Now, the reason why we are having our beverages, uh, me and Diana, particularly our alcoholic beverages, is because we're talking about abortion as we do here at Progress Texas. But this week and this year, you've heard a lot about it. A lot of things have been going on uh, regarding this topic. And this week, you may be surprised that there's more news coming. Um, There is another abortion ban happening. Some people say I look like DJ Khaled and as DJ Khaled would say, another one. Um, So Diana, for those of us who follow this closely, we kind of knew the domino effect Uh, that would happen once Roe was overturned. Can you explain what's happening in the state of Texas this week? So it's interesting you say that a lot of us knew about the domino effect that would happen because there are actually a lot of folks that, you know, knew this was bad news (laughs) uh, in so many ways. And and we've talked about it so much. But a lot of folks, even reporters out there, didn't know that this trigger ban law is going into effect this week this uh, Thursday, August 25th. Um, And just to talk a little bit more about what the heck this law is, where did it come from? It passed during the last legislative session. Uh, Texas is actually not the only state uh, that passed like trigger laws during their last legislative sessions. There are a bunch of other ones, Um, but the one in particular in Texas is set to go into effect or was set to go into effect 30 days after the fall of Roe. So immediately we were all devastated by the fall of Roe, but totally forgot about this other horrific piece of uh, abortion ban type legislation that the Texas Ledge um, snuck in there. 
And, you know, the first abortion ban happened here in Texas, the most severe one, which was SB8, and that went into effect last September. This one is way, way worse, uh, not to be too depressing from the get-go, but, you know, I'll, I'll just get it out there. Um, what it does is it prohibits uh, abortion from the moment of fertilization, and, uh, you know, essentially it's trying to criminalize it by you know, having a fine of minimum of $100,000 for anyone who helps someone have an abortion, for example, like like a doctor, and, you know, you get prison time for it potentially. And again, there are no exceptions for folks who are victims of rape or incest. Um, so it is really, really bad. Like I said, a lot of folks uh, didn't realize, even reporters, that this was going on this week, but it, we wanted to make sure that y'all knew about it. It's a really important update, and it's important for uh, all Texans to know about this. And it was a little strange because it was from 30 days from when they ratified it, correct? Or the afterwards where they signed it off and did all the paperwork for it. So we got the, we got the leak, then we got the announcement, and then, we, they, then they signed it, then the 30 days. So we're at that last portion where this is going to change Texas once again. Um, the way we sent out an email uh, on Monday, so they said it was another abortion ban. It really is another escalation of this. And we've been seeing this in different states, which is uh, somebody was saying Tennessee and Idaho are getting these as well or similar ones. Wesley, do you know anything about that? Yeah. So by the end of August, nearly all of the abortion trigger bans in the country will have taken effect. There were 13 states with legislation that was de designed to automatically outlaw abortion. So 13 states with these trigger bans. Um, some of them went into effect immediately when the legis when the ruling was ratified. Some of them required this 30-day um, wait period. And so Tennessee and Idaho and Texas were some of those states. Um, there are lawsuits happening across the country within these different states as well. And so we may see so some of them being prohibited from going into effect. But right now, this week, Texas, Tennessee, and Idaho are also having these bans go into effect. Sam, I appreciate your characterization of this trigger ban as an escalation because a lot of people, you know, may be thinking to themselves, well, abortion was already effectively outlawed in Texas from SB8, the, when SB8 went to effect almost exactly a year ago today, which is true. But at the same time, this trigger ban, um, when SB8 went to, into effect, as we remember, it encouraged vigilante um, pro prosecution of folks so that people could sue um, people performing abortions or assisting people getting abortions and stuff like that. This trigger ban, as Diana mentioned, with the fine and the potential for prison time is state violence against people seeking abortions, against people performing abortions. So it really is an escalation, even if, you know, it's not closing abortion clinics, because quite frankly, there are no more abortion clinics in Texas to close. I mean, of course, we've explained all the ways you can still receive an abortion and self-manage your abortion. So there's, it's not like we, we can't access it, but um, this is an escalation in many ways. And I do appreciate that we're acknowledging that, even though in some ways, you know, the day-to-day -day may not have changed. We're still, you know, seeing a ramp ramp up of what the GOP and the conservatives are willing to do to prosecute and hunt down people seeking abortions. Yeah, this is one of, if not the most extreme abortion bans in the country to date, and the criminal penalties especially are some of the most extreme. Everything's bigger in Texas. Uh, that used to be a nice phrase. Um, 
Yeah. <laughs> and the you know, Texas style something used to just mean bigger, but now it's like Texas style abortion just means more cruel in this instance, right? And uh, Wesley, we'll jump back to how people are fighting this at the end of this block here. But Brett, looking at other states, you know, like we're looking at how bad other states are getting our style of abortion ban. People have been fired up and are responding to the reversal of Roe, to these abortion uh, bans and trigger laws that have been in effect that they may have not realized. And so, you know, we've talked about the referendum in Kansas, right, as being one of the big opportunities that we've seen. But one thing we noted was that in Kansas, folks were voting against a constitutional amendment and not for a specific candidate per se. Have we seen anything to indicate that this groundswell of anger could help the Democratic candidates in elections? So yes and no. I think this is a really interesting conversation because, you know, one thing that we talked extensively about is that in Kansas, when you're voting for or against a constitutional amendment, the language is different versus where you're going to vote for a person with an R or a D next to their name. And as we all know, elections in this day and age are very heavily influenced by the national mood, by the president, by so many things that really impact the sort of... um, clannish mentality that folks have towards their political parties. Tuesday was primary day in um, a couple different states. And let's just also clarify that like Texas, we had our primary back in freaking March or something like yeah. that. Right, like, right. I cannot believe that some, that there are still primaries going on. Um, but there were a couple different important primaries and there was a special election in a house district in New York state Um, that is a very interesting um, House district, particularly because it went for Obama in uh, 2012, Uh, it went for Trump in 2016, and then it went for Biden in 2020. So very interesting um, House district, and the Democratic candidate focused their campaign primarily on the issue of abortion and freedom of choice. And the Republican um, candidate did not really talk about abortion, but more focused on inflation and other issues that Republicans are trying to run on. And the Democrat won by a significant um, margin considering that it was expected to be a very tight race. So I do think, to get back to the question, I do think that we are seeing instances of the issue of abortion really motivating um, voters, not just Democratic voters, but also independents. Now, the one caveat I will give is that special elections are really bad indicators of how a general election will go. I do think that it's not a good idea to put too much weight on special elections. So this isn't, you know, a sign that we can, you know, let up in any capacity. Everyone still has to be very focused and um, prepared for what's to come. But I do think this is really interesting. So this is definitely something we're going to keep our eyes on. Um, And I think, you know, especially as conservatives get more and more cruel with their policies and just go further and further, we're going to see a significant backlash. Um, And of course, you know, we have to make that happen, but it is really uh, motivating and uplifting to see this take place. And I kind of want to throw it to either Diana or Wesley, because I mean, we've we've seen Speaking on that cruelty thing that you were mentioning, Brett, uh, Colorado Republican became a Democrat. That made news this week where they, people are just starting to switch sides because the Republicans are going to left field for them. And I asked Diana or Wesley, whoever can answer this, um, is there a way or have we seen anything like this where such an intangible such as the overturning of Roe v. Wade that uh, that we can't really chart when it comes to these type of elections. So we can do polls, we can kind of make estimates, but obviously something's different 
right after that that has changed the the landscape in a way that i don't think we've been able to measure yet has there ever been like an instance where something like that happened or do you think that we won't know until we get just absolutely right up to the last minute how this will affect the election you know i think that it's pretty unprecedented i don't think that anybody really knows i think that a lot of folks who um, estimate who's going to win and make predictions about elections. This is turning everything upside down. It's turning everything on its head. And so we've seen that typically in an election in a midterm year, in the first midterm after a president comes into office, typically the opposite party tends to win seats. But there are there are predictions now that that won't be the case. Democrats actually stand a, can- a chance to gain more seats in the Senate, more seats in the House, because this has happened and because of the reaction across the country. Can I also just jump in, Diana, super quickly? I just want to say, like, Sam, you said something that just really caught my ear right there. You said, you know, this intangible. And I just want to say, like, this is anything but intangible. I mean, this ruling has affected, you know, 50% or more of the population. Um, And I know, you know, that was probably just a slip of the tongue, but I do think that's important to recognize because like Wesley said, we've never seen something like this happen where, you know, rights have been taken away in this way. Um, And I just want to reiterate that, like, you know, of course, this is a battle of ideologies and of, you know, fundamental feelings about human rights and what is or isn't healthcare and what is or isn't permissible. But I do just want to say, like, this is anything but intangible. I guess I was meaning it in the sense that it's hard to chart when people aren't explicitly voting for it as of right now, right? Like Kansas was definite, it was was definitive, right? It was definitive uh, referendum saying, hey, we want to keep this right. I guess that that portion I'm saying is because voting is done behind a curtain and it's private, a lot of people may not respond certain ways to polls or they might not speak certain ways, but obviously there is a wide support for abortion rights across this country uh, that we have seen in polls. And we'll get to that a little bit later. I I would add as well that a little bit on what you are talking about how and how it might affect voting is that folks have said before that Texas is not really a true red Republican state. It is one, a gerrymandered state um, and a non-voter state too. Um, Most people, a lot of folks in this whole country don't turn out to vote. And so what it's doing is it's one, turning a lot of former like independent or maybe even lightly Republican votes in our direction because uh, what Republicans are seeing is that they're losing a lot of the suburban woman, white woman vote. <laughs> um, there are a lot of uh, folks who were women that might maybe identified as independent. They're losing that vote, too. Uh, there are a lot of Latino votes that they're losing as well that might have leaned a little bit more conservative. But they have kids who they are scared uh, about like this abortion ban affecting now. And so, you know, they're turning over. But then besides that, there are folks who didn't turn out to vote before. And because of this terrible Supreme Court decision of these abortion bans in states across the country, they are going to turn out to vote um, now for the first time. And so I think that's what you're talking about, Sam, is like, how do we even measure this? Because there is a huge wave uh, coming. And I think, you know, what happened in Texas or in, in Kansas was that 
um, that wasn't a vote that was on a certain part of, of Kansas where that could be gerrymandered and manipulated. That was a statewide vote. Uh, I believe if we had that same constitutional election or a referendum here in Texas, we would get similar numbers as well because Texas is heavily gerrymandered and most Texans support abortion access, the right to have an abortion. And because of that, you know, we found a lot of organizations responding on behalf of a lot of Texans that have been gerrymandered, a lot of people that have been unable to let their voice be heard because of that. And so, you know, organizations like ourselves who bring, uh, you know, media relations into the picture and write messaging and things like that. Um, but there are a lot of other organizations that are fighting this new ban. And uh, Wesley, I want to pass this to you. What are some of those ways that those organizations are fighting back directly? Yeah, so yesterday, actually, a group of Texas abortion funds and an abortion provider, they filed a lawsuit against Texas's indicted Attorney General Ken Paxton and some Texas prosecutors as well. And so they're asking the court to declare the trigger ban unconstitutional and also to declare all of those pre-Civil War laws that are threatening to criminalize anyone who helps someone access abortion care. They're asking for the court to determine those are unconstitutional as well. Um, they're also asking for restraining orders to stop Texas official, officials from prosecuting them. So if these funds were successful, it would open the door for them to be able to start funding abortions again for Texans who are being forced to leave the state to access abortion care. Um, this is a response to, you know, ongoing threats, ongoing intimidation by our Republican legislators and government officials who have been threatening these abortion funds with um, lawsuits and criminalization. And they've had to pause their services since Roe was overturned. And so they've stopped funding abortions, even for people who are traveling out of state. And so if this lawsuit is successful, it would protect the staff of abortion funds, it would protect volunteers, and it would protect donors who are contributing to these abortion funds as well. Um, I, and you know, I'll talk a little bit about the basis for this lawsuit. Preventing these funds from paying for out-of-state pr procedures, it infringes on a whole um, list of rights. It infringes on the right to free speech because if you're potentially gonna go after funders, then that's going after their free speech rights. It, it, also infringes on the right to travel freely. Texas should not be determining what states are able to fund, especially when it comes to out-of-state travel and these funds who are supporting Texans who are trying to get out of the state. Um, there's a number of different rights that are at stake here. And so it's important that these funds, they're trying to def defend these fundamental rights, but also make it to where Texans are able to find some kind of relief, even if it's not within state lines, it's out of the state. Um, and I'll talk a little bit more about the funds who are a part of this lawsuit. It's eight different Texas abortion funds. It's the Lilith Fund, Fund Texas Choice, Texas Equal Access Fund, the Frontera Fund, the AFIA Center, West Fund, Jane's Due Process, and Clinic Ac Access Support Network. And then the provider who's also a part of this lawsuit, her name is Dr. Moyetti, um, and she's an amazing abortion provider who works in Texas and has worked in Oklahoma. And she's been a big advocate for abortion rights here in Texas over the past few years as well. Um, I say all of that so that people know who they should be supporting and who to look to when it comes to who's taking this action. And uh, just for reference, uh, if you didn't catch all of those names, you can always go to rovolution.org. That is R-O-E-V-O-L-U-T-I-O-N. Uh, that's where 
We have our page with our Revolution information, has uh, our resource guide at the bottom that has a lot of contact information and resources you can access at the very bottom link if you scroll down a little bit. Um, and I always like to follow up when we talk about organizations that are providing these types of services and, and that are providing this type of legislative help. What can we do to support these organizations? I mean, obviously, we always and I always advocate Make sure you go out and vote, first and foremost. Make sure that your voice is heard during the election. Um, and then the other piece that people will say is that, you know, funding as well, um, being able to donate. But are there any other ways that the common individual can help uh, fight some of these bans? Well, on the website that you just referenced, Sam, on revolution.org, uh, um, there are a lot of resources on what folks can do and how to support these organizations. Like you said, voting, super important. Um, and also donating to the organizations. A lot of these organizations as well take volunteers. A lot of them have hotlines. Um, and there are a lot of folks calling with so many questions, right? Because there's so many bans, so many things changing, so many lawsuits back and forth. Um, people don't know what's going on and that's a tactic of Republicans to just constantly confuse people. Um, one thing I'm happy about is, you know, Wesley explaining uh, this lawsuit that the abortion providers um, or uh, abortion uh, funds and, and a provider have, have filed this week is knowing that these are the organizations that are always there fighting back. They've been fighting back against these abortion bans since day one in the Texas ledge testifying against them, um, that they're the ones to to support. But also um, if you're ever able, and, and I think that's the, the number one thing you can do to, to really help them, um, they're gonna need funds in this lawsuit as well, um, is uh, you know be a volunteer and help them and you know call them up and ask them you know what uh, what kind of support for, uh, you know, that they need in, in this fight. And then also, one of the things also on our Revolution website is talking more about abortion, especially in these progressive spaces. That's one of the reasons that we got here is that a lot of folks who call themselves progressives or Democrats might not even say the word abortion. We've had a lot of elected officials that don't even say the word abortion. Um, and by not saying it, it just further stigmatizes it, makes it think that it feel like it's something that you should not really talk about when it is a normal part of you know our health care it is health care and so having these conversations more with family and friends it also opens folks up more to be able to confide and talk to you about their own abortions too because it's a normal thing that a lot of folks um have have gone through and you know most folks know and love someone who's had an abortion so it's so important to keep talking about it and i find it having one not not been working in politics and then now having worked in politics it does get easier to say. I bring it up a lot more often and I'm a lot more pro verbally and vocally when I talk about it. Well, now that I'm bringing it up and now that I'm learning about it. So I would say just along with that, do yourself the favor and learn about why abortion is so important to people, why it needs to be freely accessible, why it is healthcare, why we shouldn't be meddling in other people's bodies and all the things that come with that. Um, I mean, for Christ's sakes, we're talking about interstate travel being affected. That's how outrageous they're getting with something that is an individual's choice. Um, read up on some of those things. Learn and educate yourself on how you can help. Revolution.org, a great resource and a great place to start. Here at the halfway point, a quick note of thanks for listening to the Progress Texas Happy Hour podcast. We're proud to say that over our first year or so, you've helped us build our podcast into one of the top 10% of the most widely heard podcasts in the world. Kind of mind-blowing, but true, and one of the top progressive political podcasts here in Texas. 
We quite literally could not have done all of this without you, so thank you. And if you're so inclined, there is a quick and easy way to help even more. Find the rating and review section on the podcast platform you use to listen and give us some solid marks. A high rating and a short review of what you get out of the Progress Texas Happy Hour helps us immensely in spreading the word about our podcast organization and mission. So after we wrap today, if you have a couple of minutes, we'd appreciate the help. Thanks again for listening and for all you do to help press progress forward here in the great state of Texas. In the B block, I want to transition to the same topic, but a different thread on that topic, because there's been some growing support from Governor Greg Abbott and other Texas Republicans in supporting a repealing of the tampon tax, quote unquote, a sales tax on tampons and other sanitary pads and products. They've been getting a few pats on the back lately because of this. There's been a lot of articles saying, hey, you know, repealing a tampon tax is good. Should have been should have not been the issue. And Brett, you've mentioned before in, in our meetings, should be free. Sanitary products should be free. And I agree with that wholeheartedly. Once again, though, too many pats on the back, I think, because it seems a little officially timed, if that's even a word. Diana, do you think you know, there's something going on with the timing of this announcement of all of a sudden Greg Abbott finding a heart growing three sizes this week? I <laughs> uh, totally agree. Um Excuse me for uh, the cursing, but it's total bullshit. Um, they fair, it, fair. <laughs> it is. It is obviously, like you said. Um, hope he follows through with this campaign promise. That we'll see if it happens um, next legislative session, along with all the other attacks uh, against abortion and reproductive health care that we know we're going to see. Um, but this is legislation that has been brought to Republicans you know, year after year after year, and they've always shot it down, uh, led by Abbott, um, you know, leading the shutting down. And quick shout out to Representative Donna Howard, who has been the representative that has led on this fight to repeal uh, this really stupid uh, tampon tax that that we have um, here in Texas. Um, So, you know, is it a coincidence (laughs) that he is coming in and swooping in as some hero, savior, whatever, all of a sudden caring about reproductive health? Um, in the same like week time span that this trigger ban is going to go into effect. And maybe he doesn't want attention on that. Coincidence? I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, Diana, you literally said that you were talking to a reporter who was asking about like your response to the tampon tax. And you were like, uh, yeah, it's to cover up the fact that the trigger ban goes into effect on Thursday. And she was like, the what now? And it's like, yeah, <laughs> obviously oh, he's trying to cover his tracks and you know basically do the bare minimum i mean of course like we're not monsters we can acknowledge that this should happen um but at the same time it's so important like we just said to point out that they're co-opting a fight that has been in the process for a long time that's been led by democratic women particularly um representative howard and then at the same time like yeah sam as you said i've said this a million times like sanitary products, menstrual products should be free. Like this is not, I mean, of course, any change is like good. We want to make, you know, life better in any small way that we possibly can. But this is not like something that they should be celebrated for, especially as the state cruelty just gets worse and worse in another area. 
And I think that's a really good point, Brett. And the conversation that you had, Diana, with that reporter is so important. I want to just say for any reporters out there, not that I, I, I don't know if you're listening in on this podcast or not, but it's journalistic. It is journalistic malpractice for you not to include this information in the reporting on these stories that you're doing to give Abbott props for saying that he's going to pass this legislation without talking about the history of the fight. The fact that Representative Donna Howard has been trying to get this type of legislation passed. And, you know, women's health advocates across the state have been trying to get this legislation passed for years and not to question the reason and why the timing of it right now, why before the midterms, why not closer to the legislative session? Why whenever the trigger ban is going into effect, why are they bringing this up? That is your job. That is the role of the press is to question stuff like this. And that's what all reporters need to be doing. Yeah, and the exact question uh, that I was asked was, so repealing the tampon tax, you know, is, is, isn't this a great, you know, step forward for women's rights that, that Abbott is, is helping, like, you know, complete? And I was like, uh, let me tell you about women's rights and Abbott and just like went in and she had such a shock expression <laughs> uh, and, and just quiet for a while. And she was like, oh, you're talking about SB8, right? And I was like, no, this is another one. And she was like, I had no idea. And I was like, yes. Here's some articles. This is happening. It's no coincidence. It sound like an interview question. Like that sounds like a leading question on a cross examination, like yeah. in court. Like that's not even you know. Cre- Isn't it great that Abbott's doing this? Like, no. What? No. Where have you been in the last year? The last ten years? The last however long Abbott uh, has been in charge? And Republicans like uh, they don't care about this. They they haven't been caring about this right for a long and time. it's it's a, it's such a random thing and it, like i said it's such a random thing at a random time for him to be like oh yeah we could do that this week like you could have done it anytime random friend. i know i know random that's, that's what i'm that's what i'm saying like quotes. oh eh, this week i feel like it it was actually i think at the end of last week and then it got picked up over the weekend um actually i want to shout out our intern emily who gave us a little bit of historical context as well just on the history of uh, the government, Texas government and tampons. In 2013 at the Capitol, uh, the Department of Public S- uh, Safety, I believe, officers, they were told to confiscate tampons and pads from people entering the Senate gallery because Republicans were worried that they'd be thrown at Senate members during the abortion ban debate. Like, how invasive just that action alone, going into someone's bag and be like, no, you can't have these. You can't have these things that are- But are, what are could a- you have, Sam? What could oh, you have? Uh, inform me, Brett. I'll let you say it. Oh, a firearm. Yes. An actual <laughs> weapon that could, like, I mean, personally, I, and DPS can, can clock me for this, like, I would love to hurl a tampon at some of the heads of these senators. <laughs> like, Lord, give me what that ability. extensive <laughs> damage you'll be doing with all these tampons versus oh a gun. Oh, my God. Yeah, just imagine, like... Imagine some of the worst offenders just getting a tampon to the eye, like that would be poetic justice. But you could enter, like you could have a firearm. And I don't know about the specific rules of the Texas Capitol and what they allow or don't allow, but you're right. Like it is incredibly invasive to go and confiscate somebody's period products and, you know, sanitary products when the law states, again, that you can like have a gun. Do you think, Wesley, though, that this is a response and like a need to kind of pull back from the very obvious abortion bans that are going on. And do you think that this is their way of saying, see, we support women, but then also kind of trying to like throw that smoke screen up saying, oh yeah, we definitely support this. And then just trying to ignore it because they've not seemingly discussed 
abortion at all, most of the Texas Republicans in the last few months. Go ahead. So 100%, I think <laughs> Republicans are scared. There was a new poll that came out a couple of weeks ago from the Texas Politics Project, and it shows that the all of these abortion ban policies, they go against most Texans' beliefs. A majority of registered Texas voters said that they believe someone who's pregnant should be able to get an abortion in every circumstance that was assessed by the poll. And so Republicans know that they're out of touch most Texans disapprove of these really extreme anti-abortion laws. Republicans went too far, and so they're worried that they're gonna pay the price in November. And I think a perfect example of this is actually a few days ago, um, Mitch McConnell, the Senate Minority Leader, he actually warned um, publicly, he said that the GOP may not win back control of the Senate this November. Republicans are scared. They understand that they, um, they went too far, and I think they're slowly witnessing you know, during all these different um, primaries that Brett talked about earlier, they're witnessing the results of their very extreme actions. And I don't think that they expected it to really be this big of a response, but that's what's happening. And so just like us, you know, they're not sure what's going to happen in this election, but they're preparing for the worst. And that's why they're pulling back a little bit. That's why people like Greg Abbott, all of the Republicans who have supported these abortion bans for so long, they're not really talking about them publicly. They're not talking about their support of them because they recognize that it could actually hurt them in the next election. So actually, yeah, Wesley, building off of that, you know, we recently saw a new poll from the Texas Tribune um, in with uh, UT, and they found that 80% of Texans support abortion. Like this is progressive issues are Texas issues, like progressive values are Texas values. Like abortion is a broadly accepted need in society. I mean, again, as we always say, abortion is healthcare. And you could go to the um, TRIB and see the specific breakdown, but it really is fascinating. It is just the smallest minority of Texans, like 10% or even less, who oppose abortion in all instances. Of course, there are varying degrees of folks who oppose, who might say, I only oppose abortion in case of rape or incest. Then there's also, you know, a lot of Texans who say, you know, you should be able to get an abortion up to 12 weeks. You should be able to get an abortion up to, you know, at any point in the pregnancy. And it really is important to just remember, as we were talking about earlier, the extreme violence and cruelty of this trigger law that is about to go into effect as we record this podcast. It'll go into effect tomorrow. And that is supported by not only a minority of Texans, but the smallest minority you could possibly imagine. And this just goes to show, again, that Republicans and Texas conservatives are pandering to the extreme right wing. And Wesley, going off of what you were just saying, you know, I know we referenced the Daily um, from the New York Times quite a lot, but I was listening to yesterday's episode um, where they were talking about the anti-abortion movement, and they really just very clearly mentioned said that you know the anti-abortion movement right now is like the dog that caught its own tail i mean they truly don't know what to do with themselves because they're splintering into these two factions of you know no abortion under any circumstance and incredibly restricted abortion and at the end of the day you know we want to see much more abortion access than either of these camps would allow but it really is fascinating and horrible to see these internal divisions happen within 
the um, anti-abortion movement because they're tending towards the most extreme version of these views. And I really am, you know, just to bring this all back together, I think it will be incredibly fascinating to see what happens in November when we have so many candidates who are running as Democrats who are pro-abortion and pro, you know, the right to an abortion. And we see this gigantic majority of Texans. I mean, this is insane supporting the right to an abortion. It truly, you know, I do think Republicans should be very scared. Republicans really thought we'd enjoy this like steep descent into fascism. But then when we see the repercussions, we were like, oh, hell no. Are you kidding me? Um, and at the end of the day, we're like, sit back, drink your off-brand LaCroix. And I'm like, fuck you. No, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> And Abbott's just, this is just a bunch of bullshit that Abbott's trying to pull because he doesn't want to lose to Beto. That's all it is at the end of the day. You know, Diana, you mentioned the repercussions, and I think that that really comes into play here, too, because I think a lot of people, even Republicans who are maybe coming over to the Democratic side now, for a long time, they had the belief that, yes, I don't support abortion. I don't want abortions to happen. But they did not understand what the repercussions of that meant, because sexual health in our country is so bad that they don't understand what it actually means for abortion not to be accessible. And the fact that people are actually going to die because of this legislation. There was a video that went viral on Twitter. I can't remember in what state or who it was, but it was some man who was talking about how he voted in favor of this legislation and he regrets it because somebody, you know, contacted him and let him know that they were experiencing health complications and they had to carry a a non-viable pregnancy for multiple weeks and it put them at risk of death. Like these are the this is the reality of this abortion legislation and these bans, but they didn't listen when we told them what was going to happen. Now that it's actually happening, people are regretting it. And so I think that's what you're mentioning, these repercussions, that's so important. And people, until you actually see it happening, people didn't understand the extent to how bad things were going to get. Breaking news, white male conservative learns there are consequences to trying to exert control over other people. More at nine. <laughs> I mean, we laugh. I think we laugh to keep from crying in these instances. I do because you know these stories are going to come out more and more. Uh, we this episode, we didn't want to harp on too much of the worst case scenarios that are going to happen, but they're going to happen. You're going to see them. Um, this is a very serious thing that's going to happen in Texas and other states, and it's only going to get worse. And honestly, these are so unpopular, and the fallout from what's going to happen in these coming months is going to really make a difference this upcoming election. I mean, for Christ's sakes, Abbott wants to have one debate with Beto. And Beto can just say, so what do you feel about abortion rights? And just let let him answer. Because he doesn't have an answer. He, he supports all this. He wanted all of this to happen. And any bad or any unfortunate deaths that may happen are going to be on Abbott's clock, on his time, on his legislation. So, you know, we have a responsibility to to not only support but vote for pro-abortion candidates, um, support abortion rights across the board. Um, and I think that people are responding as such. You're, you know, it is the majority of Texans and across the country, it is popular. So just keep in mind that this is the side uh, that people want to support, uh, access across the board as often as possible, as, as easily accessible as possible. But before we get to the end of our show. There's one more bit of uh, uh, news that we need to address, and that's going to be with our organization, 
Uh, we want to conclude this episode with one final note, and our colleague Wesley, who you've heard so wonderfully on this podcast, will be leaving us at the end of this week. And first of all, personally, I want to thank you, Wesley, for all that you've done for this organization, for this community, and for us individually here at Progress Texas. Uh, I'll let the others, Diana and Brett, say their kind words, but before that, do you have anything to say to the people out there as this is your final podcast? Yeah, so I'll just say, you know, I've been with Progress Texas for more than four years. I started off as an intern here, worked my way all the way up to communications director, and I think I've learned so much during my time here. I've worked with some truly incredible people like Brett, like Sam, like Diana, um, and I'm just so thankful for all of the opportunities that I've been able to have. Um, it's definitely bittersweet having to say goodbye, but I'm going to be a part of this work I'm going to continue to do this work in whatever way I can. So it's not it's not totally goodbye. Um, one piece of advice, I guess, to our listeners and something I'll say is that no matter how terrible things seem to be right now, and I know that it does feel very terrible, um, there is goodness in the state of Texas. I've seen it during my work over the past four years. So don't give up on Texas. Don't count Texas out. Um, our progressive power is growing. It's continuing to grow. It's only a matter of time until we flip the state. Um, we just, we have to cut through all the lies. We have to cut through the BS. We have to hold Republicans, people like Greg Abbott accountable. Um, and in that same vein, we have to continue to connect with people and share our values with people. I've been really inspired to see what's happening with the Beto campaign, how he's been able to connect with people all across our state, people in conservative towns. That's the kind of work that we need to keep doing because ultimately Texans want what's best for each other. They just don't always know what's best for each other. Um, so. Let's keep fighting. I'm going to keep fighting. Um, and really just thank you all so much for, you know, my time here. Thank you to our listeners for supporting this organization. Um, it's been uh, it's been amazing over the past four years. Uh, I'll try and be quick uh, because if I say too much or drink more of this truly, I'll start crying. But I will pour um. truly out for you, Wesley. Uh, it's been an awesome time working with you and learning from you. You're so professional, um, so uh, positive in those dark times too, which was very much needed when we were both at the Capitol uh, till like past midnight so many times, um, reporting on what was going on and, and letting folks know. But thank you to your service, honestly, that you've done for this great state. Uh, and I'm really excited to hear about the exciting things you'll do in our future, and maybe we'll have a future uh, governor story. <laughs> I don't know about all that, but <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Diana. Thank I can you. see it. <laughs> um, well, Sam said kind words, so now I can't roast you like I was <laughs> No, hey, you can. <laughs> hey, roasts are a form of, of affection, so For I sure. allow it. I agree with that. No, um, I will miss you so much, Wesley. You are such an incredible coworker, such an incredible employee, just someone who I think brings so much to our organization, to everything that you put in, to anything you do. I mean, to our listeners, I, I really don't think that you can possibly fathom like what a hard worker Wesley is. Like Diana mentioned, during the legislative session, the days get so long, they get so tiresome, and Wesley and Diana were just boots on the ground there in day, day in, day out. And a lot of our work is 
Um, a lot of it's behind the scenes. Um, even though we do work in media, not all of it is specifically talking to reporters or getting quoted. And I think that Wesley is just one of those people who's so enthusiastic about both kinds of work, which makes you such a pleasure to work with. And I think you maintain such great relationships with our partners and help us really build strength through coalitions. So you're just amazing. You're also hilarious and um, I'm really gonna miss you. So also in case you were unaware, you know, Wesley runs or ran almost past tense, but currently runs the Progress Texas Twitter account, which is just an absolutely phenomenal uh, addition to my Twitter feed. Um, so definitely also going to miss your uh, Twitter takes and management of that. Oh my gosh. Y'all are going to make me emotional. So I'm like, say I'm in this podcast before <laughs> I start crying. And I was going to say a powerhouse, but also an emotional powerhouse. Thank you, Wesley, for everything that you've done and will do in the future. And for those of you out there, everyone here joining us, thanks for uh, lending your insights, Diana, Brett, and one more time, one last time, Wesley. And to everyone listening, thank you for joining us. Be sure to head over to progresstexas.org and follow us on social media. Subscribe to our email list. If you're listening to us, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast. Give us five stars, a like, a thumbs up, whatever you have. Leave us a review. That way we know you're listening and that you appreciate us. But until next time, we'll see you next time. Take care, be safe, and goodbye. Or whatever. I don't know. I haven't thought of an outro. Let's fade out. We're fading out now. The Progress Texas Happy Hour is a production of Progress Texas, a rapid response media organization promoting progressive messages and actions. Find us online at progresstexas.org and on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. The podcast is produced by me, Chris Mosier, and our featured music is by Walker Lukens. Please be sure and subscribe to the Progress Texas Happy Hour on the podcast platform of your choice. Take a moment to leave us a review if you've enjoyed the show and be sure and tell your friends about us. Thanks for listening and for all you do to press progress forward here in the Lone Star State. We'll see you again next week.